It was the night before Jesus would go to the cross. And on this night, the disciples would have their greatest failure. They would scatter from Jesus. The inner circle, Peter, James, and John, would fall asleep in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Peter, who was so adamant that he wouldn't fail the Lord, failed the Lord. He denied Christ three times. But just before all of that happens, Jesus is sitting with his disciples, his closest and most intimate followers, in the upper room. And it was the Lord's Supper. And he was giving them their final instructions. And these words in John 15, 16 were part of those instructions. These are God's words for us this morning. Let's look at John 15, 16. Jesus says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. What an incredible statement from our Lord. You did not choose me, but I chose you. What an encouraging statement for the follower of Christ that when they were about to fail in the worst way, he says, listen, remember tonight, I chose you. I chose you. Even when life is getting difficult, when you feel yourself slipping, when you're struggling the most, Jesus says to us, his followers, I chose you. Listen, if Jesus chose you, he will also hold on to you. Even when life is most difficult, the take-home message is this. Because God chose us, he will also equip us. Because God chose us, he will also equip us. If God has done everything he's done to choose us. He will not stop short of providing his Holy Spirit for us. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to overcome every obstacle. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You know, this is the pattern of the Bible from beginning to end. If you go all the way back to Genesis 12, we meet a man named Abraham. You know, Abraham was a man from a pagan family in a pagan land. In today's terms, Abraham didn't come from a Christian home. Growing up, his family didn't go to church. But one day God showed up and said, I chose you. He said, go and leave your father's house, your family, your kindred, your country, everything you know, and go to a land that I'll show you. In other words, Abraham, start walking. And he did. God chose Abraham and he responded in faith. Think about Moses. Uh, did Moses choose one day as a baby to put himself in a basket, to be floated down the Nile River, to end up in Pharaoh's house? Did Moses choose that? No, God chose that. Did Moses choose at 80 years old when he was keeping the sheep one day to be walking and suddenly to see a burning bush from which God spoke to him? Did, did Moses choose that? No, God chose that. God chose Moses, and he responded in faith. Think about Joseph at the end of the book of Genesis. Remember, he was the youngest. He was his father's favorite son, but his brothers hated him, and his brothers sold him into slavery. You think Joseph said, step number one on my path to success, go into slavery? No, but God had a plan for Joseph's life, and Joseph responded in faith. 
When Joseph got to Egypt, he was wrongfully accused of a crime he didn't commit and thrown in prison. You think Joseph said, step number two on my path to success, I'm going to be thrown in prison now. No. But God chose Joseph, and God had a plan for his life, and he responded in faith. And one day, Joseph, he woke up in prison, and Pharaoh had had a dream, and no one could interpret it except for Joseph. And Joseph interpreted Pharaoh's dream. And even though he woke up that morning in prison, he went to sleep that night in a palace, second in command over all of Egypt, God chose Joseph. And he responded in faith. This is the pattern of the Old Testament. Think about in the New Testament. Did Mary choose to be the mother of Jesus? No, God chose Mary. And Mary responded in faith. Did Paul, or I should say Saul of Tarsus, when he was persecuting Christ, choose to have a radical encounter with Christ on the road to Damascus? No, God chose Paul, and he responded in faith. And I could spend the rest of the sermon recounting this same pattern in the lives of those in the Bible, and I could recount many verses that point to how God chooses us. And we have the choice to respond in faith or reject him. This is the pattern of the Bible. You know, think about your life. Did we create the gospel? Did we do anything to bring about the gospel? Did we deliver it to our own life? Did we choose to have God send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for for our sins? Did we choose that? No. In fact, the Bible says, while we were yet sinners... Christ died for us. Have you ever gotten one of those deliveries in the mail where it's so special that you have to be home when you get it and sign for it or else you don't get it? Well, in that situation, if someone gets you a gift like that, do you choose the gift? No. Do you pay for the gift? Hopefully not. Do you wrap the gift? No. Do you send the gift to your house? No. Someone else does that. All you have to do is sign for it and accept it into your house. Isn't that like what the gospel is? God paid for our sins. Jesus Christ paid for our sins by coming to earth, taking the form of a servant, living a perfect and sinless life, dying an unjust death on a Roman cross, but death could not hold him. He rose again after three days. He appeared to his followers. He ascended to heaven where he is seated at the right hand of God. God did that. And it's being delivered to your door this morning. And all you have to do is accept it. If you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or you can send the delivery man home and not accept it. That's why those who don't believe are called rejectors, because they reject a free offer of free grace. And listen, that's the first step. You have to take that step for these next four steps to matter. And if you're here this morning, and you've never entrusted your life, never put your life, uh, your, your trust in the, in the finished work of Christ, now's the time. Make that decision. You'll never regret it. You'll only regret you didn't make it sooner. And that gift will come into your life and it'll change your life. But if you have made that decision, Jesus says, I chose you. 
And if he chose us, he will also equip us. Uh, We're going to see four ways this verse shows us that our God equips us. He doesn't leave us hanging. He'll give us what we need. If you're taking notes, there are bulletins on the seats with fill in the blanks. Here's the first one. Because God chose us, he will assign our position. Look back at John 15, 16. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you. I chose you and appointed you. Isn't it interesting that the first thing Jesus says to his disciples is, I put you in this position of disciple? He says that before he even starts talking about what they're supposed to do or their work. He says, listen, before we get to your work, you need to know I chose you to be a follower of me. This is why we must accept Christ before we can do anything for Christ. We need to be positionally made right with God. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So we need to be made right with God by believing in the gospel. But once that happens, the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 12, 28, that God appoints people in the church. Same word, appoints. And guess what? He doesn't just appoint pastors. It lists all types of of different gifts in the church, different appointments in the church. Let me bring it home for you. God has appointed you in this church to do something. God has appointed you in his church to do something. He assigns our position. We just have to trust him. You know, a common question Pastor Craig and I get is, is when people say, well, I don't know what that thing is. How can I know what he wants me to do? It's a great question. You know, God has a time and a place to reveal that to you. But here's a question we all need to be asking ourselves while we wait. Are we walking in step with the Holy Spirit? Isn't that what our study is all about? Are we walking in step with the Holy Spirit? You know, this passage reveals that God will assign our position at the most unlikely times. You know, he appointed the disciples and told them that before they failed. But listen to me, that appointment will not become clear until we're walking in step with the Spirit. Think about Peter. Before Peter ever denied Christ, Peter was appointed by Christ to be the leader of the disciples. But it wasn't until the Apostle Peter was restored on that beach after Jesus rose from the dead that he went out in Acts chapter 2 and preached a sermon at Pentecost that saved 3,000 people. It didn't become clear to Peter and to those around him of his appointment until he'd been restored to Christ and was walking in step with the Spirit. You know, I worked in finance before I was in ministry and uh, there were just things that were happening where God was starting to make clear that he was calling me to, to vocational ministry. But that appointment didn't become clear until I was walking in step with the Spirit. You get what I'm saying? If we want God to make things clear for us, we need to walk in step with the Spirit. Are we walking in step with the Holy Spirit? Because God chose us, he will assign our position. Here's the next one. Because God chose us, he will empower our work. Look back at verse 16 with me. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. So he says, I chose you, I appointed you, and I've called you to work for me. This phrase, bear fruit, it shows up seven times in John chapter 15. By the way, this is just such an awesome chapter. They're all awesome. But this chapter has been so cool to spend time in. And it talks a lot about bearing fruit. What does that mean? Well, fruit is righteousness, okay? Fruit is righteousness. One pastor describes fruit as righteousness in every form. So when we come to Christ, you know, when we receive that gift and sign for it and take it into our lives, what happens is we start to bear what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, and 23, we're told that we start to receive this fruit of the Spirit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Listen, if you've been a Christian for a while, you should be able to look back a year ago and say, man, I think I'm more loving this year than I was last year. I think I'm more joyful this year. I'm a little more peaceful. I'm trying to be more patient. This fruit of the Spirit should be welling up in our lives and everybody around us should see it. But Jesus is also talking to them about the fruit of the furthering of the gospel. What is the gospel? Well, we talk about it a lot here. But it's that Jesus of Nazareth lived a perfect and sinless life, died an unjust death on the cross, rose again after three days, appeared to many, ascended to heaven, and today he is alive. He is interceding at the right hand of the Father for you and me. That is the gospel, and that gospel transforms our lives, and it bears the fruit of the Spirit. But then we are called to go out and to share that message that Jesus is alive with others. And that's what Jesus was calling his disciples to do. You know, wouldn't you say that there was some major fruit at stake here for the disciples? I mean, the disciples were going to go out, preach the gospel, and thousands would be saved. The disciples were going to go out and author much of the New Testament, and millions would read that and be converted to Christ. And just before they're about to fail, Jesus reminds them, I've given you work to do. It's not over tonight. I've given you work, and you will do it. And that sounds great. When we think about the fact that our Lord empowers our work, that sounds great, doesn't it? Well, I've got news. It's not going to be easy. It might be great, but it's not easy, is it? You know, back in verse 2 of chapter 15, when Jesus was, was talking to his disciples, you know, he said uh, that I am the vine, you are the branches. And he goes on to say, every branch that does bear fruit, that's Christians bearing fruit, right? It's, it's going well. The Father prunes that it may bear more fruit. You know, maybe a sign that you're serving the Lord is that he, he comes and prunes you. That word prune, it's a strong word. It means to cleanse. One commentator described it as being pruned with the knife. Has God ever pruned you with the knife? Has God ever done spiritual open heart surgery on you? Are you willing to let him do it? When he shows you something he wants to kind of get in there and work on, do you let him do it? Or do you close your hands and say, no, not that thing, Lord. 
Here's the good news. If you will let the Lord do that spiritual open heart surgery on you, you'll bear more fruit. So let him do it. Walk in step with the Spirit. And then when he challenges you in your life, open your heart to him. Let him do it. I know it's painful. But it leads to good. The Bible says all discipline for the time seems to be painful, but it produces a fruit of righteousness and peace for those who've been trained by it. Hebrews 12 tells us, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. Listen, because God loves you, he disciplines you. Because he loves you. It's a sign that he loves you. If he didn't discipline you, you would be illegitimate children. So when God comes to your life today or tomorrow or next week, it happens to all of us, let him do it. Say, Lord, I know you're good. And I know you just want me to bear more fruit. Let him do it. Because God chose us, he will assign our position. He will empower our work. Here's the third one. Because God chose us, he will preserve our reward. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit in. I love this. And that your fruit should abide. That word abide means remain, to continue to be, to last, to endure. And you know what I love about this? There's no ending put on this. He doesn't say that your fruit will last until you die. Or your fruit will last for a hundred years after your life. No. This is eternal fruit. This is an eternal reward. Think about that. Let's fast forward 150 years from now. Does the car that you have, will that thing be around? I don't know what kind of car you drive. Not my car. What about your house? 150 years from now, will your house be around? Maybe. Be really outdated. Think about our legacy. Is everybody going to be talking about us in 150 years? Maybe a couple people, but they'll forget. Think about our nation. Are there any promises 150, 250, 300 years from now? I hope, I hope it's still around. We all do. But the point is, there's no guarantees of that. It's very likely that many years from now, people won't remember us. They won't remember what we did. None of our things will still be around. And in the midst of that, think about that, this promise. He says, your reward will last forever. What you do for me will last forever. And in light of that, it's pretty foolish to throw away our eternal reward and grasp at an earthly reward, isn't it? You know, grasping at an earthly reward, it's like reaching into water and just when you think you have it, the water comes through your hand. It's fleeting. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But we've been promised that if we will serve the Lord, that our work will remain where no moth and rust can destroy. You know, we live in a time where people desperately want to be seen. People will do anything to be seen. But you know what? That's, that's a real desire in our hearts. We want to be seen. We were made that way. But do you know how, who we want to be seen by? God. I have good news for you this morning. 
Maybe you're a parent in your family and you're raising your kids and you're doing everything you can and no one ever thanks you and it's really hard. Guess what? God sees you. Maybe you're in a difficult workplace and you're trying to be a bright and burning light for Christ and your boss is hard on you. Guess what? God sees you. Maybe you're serving in our church and no one ever says thank you. You know what? God sees you. I just want to remind you this morning that when it feels like no one sees you, God sees you. And he not only sees you, he will keep track of the work you've done for Christ and he's holding it for you on the other side of eternity. What an awesome promise. When we know that, we don't have to look for those things outside of Christ. He's our anchor. He keeps us balanced. And we go to him. Because God chose us, he will assign our position, empower our work, preserve our reward. And here's the last one. I love this one. He will answer our prayers. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. That's an amazing promise. Whatever we ask God in, in the name of Jesus, he'll give to us. Yes, that's what it says. Back in verse seven, he said, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Listen, if God has gone through the trouble of sending his only son in the form of a servant to an unjust and terrible death. If God has gone through the trouble of choosing us, if God has gone through the trouble of appointing us where we are and giving us work to do and preserving our reward eternally, don't you think that God's not going to stop short of answering our prayers? But the enemy would want you to believe that. I think what the trouble is, is we don't always like the answer. You know, God might answer your prayers by saying no. Or the worst answer, I think, wait. (laughs) But he will answer. And he does hear. So if you're going through something today, pray now. Pray when you leave church. The God of the universe hears our prayers. Let me say that again. The God of the universe hears our prayers. Amen. Why wouldn't we ask him? Why wouldn't we trust him? One of my favorite books of the Bible is the book of Psalms. Uh, one person said, the Bible speaks to you, the Psalms speak for you. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those stages of life where you can't find the words to pray, so you open up the Psalms and there's the words. Well, a majority of the psalms are what we call lament psalms. That word lament means complaint. So a lot of psalms start off with someone complaining to God. But something amazing happens when you read the psalms. By the time you get to the end, that person's praising God. It's weird. It's only been about five verses. What happened? Well, if you look at the middle of those, very often the psalmist remembers. They remember when God was faithful in the past. They remember how God is answering their prayers in the present. And that gives them hope and faith to pray again for the future. You know, we know our past and present. God knows our past, our present, and our future. Shouldn't we go to him about our future? Listen, go to him. Even if it's a complaint, 
You read about people in the Bible praying to God. We talked about Moses. You know, Moses was so fed up with leading the Israelites, he went to God and said, if this is how it's going to be, blot me out. I'm like, Moses, calm down. Don't you know you're talking to God? God answered him gently, and God responded. I'm always encouraged by the lament psalms, the fact that when God was sitting at his desk, I can't imagine he was, but and the books of the Bible were being decided, you know, which ones will go in my book, he said, put these lament psalms in my book. Because I understand. I understand. You can go to God. You can be honest with him. He'll hear your prayers. He might say no or wait, but ask him. He hears your prayers. Because God chose us, he will also equip us Because God chose us, he will assign our position, empower our work, preserve our reward, and answer our prayers. As we get ready to close, you know, I was was driving home this week, and when I get a text to preach, sometimes they're not as hard to, to kind of pin down, or I guess it pins me down. Well, this one really pinned me down. I mean, there's certain times I I open up the Bible and the verse I'm preaching on or the verses just seem so deep. And this was one of those, like, God chose me, God chose us. God, how am I going to talk to your people about that? So I was a bit discouraged when I was driving home this week as I was diving into this verse and trying to put together the sermon. And I felt like God encouraged me with this word. You want to know what he said? Billy, you didn't choose me. I chose you. And I appointed you as a pastor at Prairie Bible Church to go and preach sermons, not just with fruit for Sunday, but with eternal fruit. Oh, and by the way, Billy, when you're a mess driving home like this, go to the Father, ask him anything in my name, and I'll give it to you. What if we approached the difficulties of life like that? We've got the God of the universe right there waiting for us to ask for his help. He's appointed us as followers of Christ. He's given us work to do. He has all the benefits of that work on the other side of eternity. And by the way, if you need anything, why don't you ask him? Amen? Amen. Band, you can come up. As we said at the beginning, the first step is to put your faith, hope, and trust in the finished work of Christ. And if you've never made that decision, do not leave here without making that decision. I also know that many of you come in here going through very difficult situations. I would love to pray for you if you need prayer this morning. I'm going to be over in the prayer room.